Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. This episode is presented by BetMGM, the exclusive betting partner of The Athletic. Sign up at BetMGM.com using the promo code THEATHLETICPOD. Hello, everyone. Welcome to The Big Football Show, a podcast by The Athletic about Big Ten football. Today is Wednesday, November 17th, and this is Scott Dockerman, and I mostly write about Iowa. Today, I'm joined by my esteemed colleague and former Big Ten football show tag team partner, Nicole Auerbach, who covers football nationally for The Athletic. Hello, Nicole, and welcome back to the Big Football Show. I know. I miss our Sunday debriefs of the weekend that was, but I'm uh, glad you're holding down the fort here. Yeah, trying to anyway. It's been a wild year and uh, a lot of fun in, in Big Ten land. And, and I guess uh, first things first, I know you're you're busy working on a, a pretty interesting story, and I won't let... I'll, I won't make you uh, divulge too many details because I think our audience would be very much interested in reading it. But uh, Tuesday night, we saw the, the unveil of our third round of CFP rankings. And I think we're starting to get kind of a pattern here. And what were some of your primary takeaways, not only Big Ten related, but across the board? Well, you know, I, I remain really annoyed and confused about the Michigan, Michigan State issue. I I just don't see why the committee has to do this. They could keep their credibility by letting this just play out because Michigan and Michigan state still have to play Ohio state. Like it's, it it will work itself out. Mm -hmm. And I think that the committee clearly has metrics and advanced metrics that are very favorable to Michigan. Like we get that, we get it. Like the, the computers, the systems, the metrics they're using, Clearly, like Michigan, they think they're a more complete team than Michigan State, but you just can't ignore the result on the field. And they're also doing that and also still adhering to head to head principles in other parts of the poll. And I think that's what's really confusing. So, you know, I had hoped against hope that they would fix it this week after hearing the backlash to putting the loser of a head to head result ahead of the winner, but they didn't do that. Um, and you know, again, I think it's just this exercise every Tuesday night is just really disappointing and frustrating because it's inconsistent. It is not transparent and the answers are always so vague that you don't actually take anything away heading into the next week. And like in, in learning about what the committee is viewing things, we still just feel as we have often in the past that. They're just picking whatever teams they like and then retroactively trying to come up with reasons to justify it. So that's why they don't make sense. And that's just how I continue to come out of each Tuesday night. It is frustrating. And I, I would actually say this year, it seems to be more of a parallel to what most people think. But as, as you said, the Michigan at six and Michigan State at seven, when they just had played a couple of weeks ago, doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Um, I can justify it 
in some ways and saying, well, Michigan's loss to Michigan State is better than Michigan State's loss to Purdue. But in some ways, it makes more sense to say, well, you know what, we'll find out how good both of them will be because they both have Ohio State, Michigan State this week, and, and then Michigan, of course, the next week. And so in some ways, you're they're inviting this criticism that doesn't need to be there yes. because if they just simply let it go, okay, Michigan State's six, Michigan seven, head-to-head takes care of itself because, as you said, the Oregon-Ohio State dynamic is in play. They played way earlier, and I think if anybody, if you were to say which two of these teams would play head-to-head today, I think most people would take Ohio State as the better team. So that that's the inconsistency part, right? Right, and and they're doing the right thing in that matchup because they're saying these two teams are still comparable, so therefore we're going to a tiebreaker, and head-to-head is a tiebreaker. But in two weeks, if Ohio State beats Michigan and Michigan State, so those are two top seven wins in the committee's mind, then they could say these resumes are not the same. Mm-hmm. And then they can move Ohio State ahead of Oregon. Like that's how it should work. We all knew that going in, right? Especially once we saw how weak the Pac-12 was outside of Oregon, we knew that o- Ohio State would have opportunities to build as the schedule went on. And, and this is actually part of the reason that Cincinnati – has been a, a frustrating team as well, not just because I think people would really genuinely like to see a, an undefeated good group of five team. Like Cincinnati's got a great defense. Like I would love to see this team actually get a chance, but the meat of their schedule was early. So they could have gotten a top four spot earlier. And then if other people built the resumes up, then they could have leapfrogged them. So they could have been consistent on these points. The only one that they seem to be handling correctly is Ohio State, Oregon. Um, and then, you know, obviously I'm still I'm still curious, Scott, too, about, you know, Alabama's resume and what happens if they lose to Georgia and their two losses and they're not a conference champion. We've never had a two loss team make the playoff, but I always assumed they would have to be a conference champion to, mm-hmm. to offset that. Um, so, you know, like keeping an eye on Mississippi State sneaking into the rankings and little things on the back end to help boost Alabama's resume, I think is also important down the stretch. But again, it's just hard to find consistency because there's only certain situations that I, I understand the logic and then there's other ones where you don't. So it just becomes very hard to predict. Yeah, without a doubt. And I, I think, you know, the Alabama-Georgia dynamic will probably play itself out, but where it, it gets complicated in my eyes is what if Alabama beats Georgia and both of them have been in those top two spots for so long. I don't see Georgia falling out of the top four. I I could see Alabama, but Alabama's resume is probably not going to be as strong nearly as Ohio State's if Ohio State gets there because not only would they have to beat a top 10 Michigan State, top 10 Michigan, but but a top potentially top 15 Big Ten West champion uh, in Indianapolis a, a week after that. And, and so their resume would be possibly the second best in the country at that point um, if they make it there. Now, um, Michigan and Michigan State both have their cracks at it. Um, how would if, – if none of these teams had played and just on the eye test and maybe the, the statistical metrics that you look at, how would you rate those three going into these f- final two weeks? Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. 
You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. That's an interesting question. I mean, I would probably, if they, if they hadn't played, if none of them had played each other, I'd probably go Ohio State, Michigan, Michigan State. You know, I, I probably would go with the way the committee is, is seeing them because, you know, we can get into this further, but like, I do think that Michigan is, is pretty darn good. I mean, like this is a team that is winning games that past Harbaugh teams do not win Mm -hmm. and they are very balanced. They have great pass rushers, like just love watching Aiden Hutchinson and David Ojabo Mm -hmm. play. Um, And, you know, Michigan state's defense is very porous. Like it is, you know, obviously the worst passing defense in the country, which is part of the reason that this game on Saturday against Ohio state is um, probably keeping those coaches up at night, but also, you know, Ohio state's defense isn't as great either. So like, I, I do get the arguments for Michigan and the balance and the, the different ways that they've won the, won the games. Um, I, I do think it would be fascinating to see Michigan, Michigan state play 10 times who wins, you know, seven, eight times. Is it Michigan? Uh, they, you know, it's still, they, they controlled that game and they should have won the game. Right. But, but they didn't. Right. And, and that's where this, this comes down to. So I would probably go that way because I, I don't think you can dethrone Ohio state until they get dethroned, like until someone else is representing the East and someone else is holding a trophy in Indianapolis. Um, I think you still got to keep them in the top spot as well. Yeah. I thought that uh, even a couple of months ago when Iowa had vaulted up to number two and was undefeated. And, you know, last time we saw each other was at Kinnick stadium when the, when the crowd rush and Iowa was number two and everybody's saying, Hey, they're the best team in the big 10. I'm like, eh, let's wait and see <laughs> the Iowa state. You just can't until somebody uh, knocks out the King, he's the King. And, and that's kind of where uh, Ohio state sits for me. And, and as far as this matchup on Saturday, uh, it's, it's a dangerous one because Ohio for, especially for Michigan state, because Ohio state has that trio of receivers who are as good as, uh, as anybody in the country at, at that position group. And then you cu- couple that with, as you said, Michigan state ranks 130th against the pass out of 130 teams. So this has that dangerous component that it, it could be in the high fifties for Ohio state and Michigan state's trying to keep up, trying to run the football and, uh, and I think they'll score, but keeping yeah, up yeah. is going to be awfully difficult for the Spartans in my eyes. Right. And it's, you know, are they going to get any stops? Right. Yeah. Like, I mean, we've seen, and, and this isn't necessarily just about Michigan state's defense, although we, you know, there are concerns they've, they've done this to a lot of teams, right? Like five straight possessions to open a game with touchdowns and, you know, just very few empty possessions. And that was part of the reason for, for that two week stretch before Purdue that we weren't sure if something had regressed or something wasn't working because they weren't scoring in the red zone, the way that we were used to seeing them, but that, but that is who they are. 
Um, and, and especially in the passing game and, and CJ Stroud has been really good, especially when he gets time, right? Like when he has time to go through his progression. So, um, I, I absolutely think all the pressure is on Michigan state to keep up, to keep scoring and the defense is going to be stressed. I mean, they're, they're going to have to come up with, they're going to have to come up with enough stops or enough, you know, their, their whole thing is bending and not breaking, but they're going to have to do it more than they're used to because it is going to be a lot of points and Ohio state scores so quickly. There's just going to be a lot of possessions in this game too. Do you, do you think that if Michigan state keeps themselves in the game and, and hangs in there, like can, you know, like Kenneth Walker goes off, like, can he, even if they lose, can he still win the Heisman? Like, can he still be um, the type of player we think like, like I'm just sort of curious about the team element for, for Kenneth Walker right now in a, in a very, like he's still winning our Heisman straw poll on the athletic, but I would say nationally, it's probably a pretty open race still. I don't think anyone's necessarily set in stone and like these games down the stretch are going to matter. I worry because he's had a phenomenal individual season. I, I want him to at least go to New York. Do, do you think it's going to matter if they lose the game or how they would lose the game in terms of his individual season? You know, he has a, let's say he has a great game and it's, this is what I'm kind of thinking, 59 to 34, you know, and he scores three touchdowns. He runs for 200 yards. I still think he's in that category, but I think this is the game where CJ Stroud really takes off because playing against this defense on this stage with those receivers, he could have 400, 450, 500 yards passing like Aiden O'Connell did against him and uh, hit six touchdown passes. And, and that's where I think CJ Stroud really gets, takes off. And, and I think Kenneth Walker could hang around, but, you know, we're both voters and we kind of know in some ways through this part of the season, it's just been the, the Heisman Trophy front runners got cast out early. Now we're kind of trying to figure things out. You know, we've kind of had fun little stories like, uh, you know, Andy Staples writing about Jordan Davis or Tyler Linderbaum, you know, elevating to that conversation. But really, it's going to come down to probably the performance in rivalry weekend and then in championship weekend that kind of makes that separation. And so I think Kenneth Walker can hang around, but if he doesn't play on that final Saturday, I think it's going to be hard for him to win. He might be able to get to New York and that's, and for a running back, that's a great way to go these days. But I think when you look at what's going to happen on that last weekend, it it could be a a Bryce Young. It could be a CJ Stroud. It could be, um, you know, then, or maybe a, a completely dominant defensive effort by somebody like say Kayvon Thibodeau has seven sacks or something, but then he's a PAC 12 guy. So how does that fit into it? So I think there's just uh there's still a lot of variables, but, but Kenneth Walker, if, if he has a good game, he can solidify himself as an all American. And in some ways that's, that's probably a, a better goal than, than the Heisman, which is almost unattainable for a running back. Yeah, I, th- I think you're right because, you know, again, this is all electronic now and the votes are due after the champ game. So, like, you would hope that voters are taking that weekend into account, but it it is hard to build enough, a big enough lead that that stuff doesn't matter. Um, you know, I was thinking back about some of the years where there was just a runaway favorite, like Lamar Jackson. Mm-hmm. Louisville stumbled down the stretch. Like, you know, we, it took us maybe until the full following year to realize how much he was offsetting on that, on that team and that offense, but he had such a big lead. It didn't matter. There was no one else who was going to make up ground down the stretch on him. Um, and you know, there's been years like that. And, and this has just been really strange that there, that there hasn't been, 
you know, it, it was really the only time where everyone's like, this feels like a Heisman moment was Kenneth Walker against mm-hmm. Michigan. Like it just hasn't happened anywhere else. And I think part of that's because, you know, we're, we, 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 we collectively eliminate yeah. collectively, you know, teams and, and, you know, write people off a lot faster these, these, these years because of the playoff prism. And, you know, I, I think this year in particular upsets and this and that, I mean, you could still have good team. like Johnny Manziel is on a three loss team. Right. And we just, it doesn't feel like that era of Heisman voting anymore where, where things could get locked up or you could still appreciate individual performances, even if the team isn't in the playoffs, like that just feels like that has shifted, which is why, you know, a Bryce Young, a CJ Stroud, those guys are going to have a chance here down the stretch. Yeah. And I think part of that is just, you, we all appreciate individual athletic ability and, and Johnny Manziel's escapability against Alabama in that big, that was a big game. And that was a big win that he had that could do that. And I think Kenneth Walker's in the same way, but he's not like a, a Reggie Bush who could just dazzle you. And I think the dazzling part of Lamar Jackson was what won everybody over along with incredible statistics. And, and so that's why I think a traditional running back will be difficult, not impossible, but now if they win, if they go to Indianapolis, then it, it's all in, in play then for him. But I mean, you know, they're an 18 point underdog, which is crazy anyway for a top 10 matchup, but you know, I did uh, not know that was the line that is. Yeah. yeah that's crazy. But again, <laughs> I mean, there's, I, I think there's always like people are still thinking about Ohio state the way I was just talking about it. Right. That like, until they get dethroned, you have to assume that they're going to be the best of the best with threats to our nation waiting around every corner. Adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I would say I still am concerned about the defense, right? Mm-hmm. Like, are, are you? I mean, I, I don't think that this this is, they don't have that dominant pass rusher that they usually have that one guy. Mm-hmm. So that ends up, you know, obviously we, everyone parsed to death the, the Oregon tape, right? And just sort of the linebackers and some of the back end stuff. But if you don't have a dominant pass rusher, like a Bosa or a Chase Young, puts more pressure on the back end. Like it just, all of that stuff is not going to be fixable in the next two weeks. I mean, that's just, they're they're clearly a team that needs to outscore the other team and that's how they're going to win games. And they can do that against, you know, I think almost anybody. The question is what, who is that almost, but like, I'm still extremely concerned about the defense. I mean, I'm more concerned about Michigan States, but they're not that different. Neither of those defenses is great. I agree. And, And that's where they'll run into problems. Now, like this week, I think they'll run into problems giving up points, but 
but I, I think their offense can compensate for that. The following week is where I probably have more concerns, you know, with the Michigan Ohio State game, which a year ago at this time, Michigan looked like dead team walking. I mean, it just had no interest in playing anybody. And yet they, so, uh, you know, Jim Harbaugh, we, we had him thrown out of the league basically a year ago. And now I'm looking at him going, you know what? He probably deserves some real strong consideration for coach of the year in the Big Ten, just based on what they did in a year over year. But having that pass rush, having that defense, being able to run the football and establish the line of scrimmage, that's going to be a challenge for Ohio State. And if you have a defense that can disrupt the passing game and, and not allow big passing plays, that's going to be a problem, too, for, for uh, Ohio State. And, and they've been susceptible to big plays. Now, Michigan hasn't been able to do that through the air very well this year. And so that's where they may end up having some problems on the other side. But you know, the, the Michigan, the, you know, really if, if Ohio state gets to Indianapolis, I think Wisconsin creates some issues. They're much better, much improved than they were two months ago. Their defense is legitimate. It is really good. And uh, they've run the ball really well. Like they were supposed to, and they didn't for the first month, their passing game is not good. And if, if it happens to be Iowa, Iowa in the back end can create some issues with interceptions against a young quarterback, kind of the same way they did the last time they played the Buckeyes in Iowa City, which really was a you know one of their more shocking upsets that we've seen in in recent memory. So, but that said, Ohio State's got three pretty big games coming up, and if they run that gauntlet, I think they pretty much lock up number two. And if Georgia happens to yeah. stumble, I think they could be number one going into the playoff. Yeah, I think they they should if they if they went out here they should be number two as well because no no one would have a resume like that, and they would have beaten teams that this particular committee has said they believe are really good, right? Like when Michigan got ranked as high as they did after a loss, like that meant you know that they that we didn't know how much they loved Michigan, we didn't know that they loved them this much more than Michigan State. But it's it's definitely set up a path here for Ohio State. And I I just thinking back about the chairman Gary Barda saying what was it two weeks ago that the reason that you know Ohio State and Oregon were still in the order they were was because Ohio State didn't have signature wins yet yet because mm-hmm. they're coming. Like if they if they win them they're coming. So I agree. And, um, you know, again, it's interesting that the the Big Ten, I I have seen hand wringing and also praise right about the way the schedule is so backloaded this year. Right. Like, I think it was it's the reason that there were five top 10 teams. Right. And and some of the stuff that happened, like, you know, Iowa really benefited from playing a conference game right out of the gate. And we didn't know, you know, just how much of a drop off Indiana had had and different things that led to you know, the middle of the season, but then everybody started beating up on each other. And I still think it worked out well because it made all of these games on the back end of the schedule must-see TV. And the committee gained a ton of respect for multiple Big Ten teams, which is setting this up for, for Ohio State, you know, a one-loss team. Or really, I, I probably whoever comes out of the Big Ten East um, to be in the running for a number two seed and not just three or four. I would, I would yeah. argue that it's probably if it's Michigan, if it's a Michigan state, like they, they would have similar resumes. They're all in the same division, right? Like they, they actually do have all the same opponents essentially. Um, so I, I think that stuff's worked out and I, it was weird, like Michigan, Michigan state being so late in the calendar and, and all of these things, but to have like Ohio state have these two monster games back to back. Like, I think that's 
I think that's great. Like these are, this is appointment television. No question. I really like it. I like the way that the, the schedule's laid out. And, and we didn't know about certain teams like, you know, Iowa, for instance, as you mentioned, uh, they had a top 10 matchup with Iowa State. They kept winning. And then Penn State, both of them got in the top five. Now, neither one of them have had the season where afterwards Penn State's saying, oh, yeah, we can't wait to play you guys in Indianapolis. Well, that, you know, it's, it's not going to happen for Penn State. And it's unlikely, I would say, for Iowa. So, <laughs> you know, that didn't happen. But at the time, it was like, wow, this is a great matchup. This is a, this is a really big one. And, and so I, I think when you look at out of the the three, some left out of the in the Big Ten East. If Michigan State wins out, it deserves to be in that position because it'll it'll have to play Penn State to end the season, and that's not an easy game. Uh, as you mentioned, you know, with Michigan, if Michigan can uh, beat Ohio State and Maryland this week, I think we're almost assuming that. But uh, it deserves to be in that position, especially if it takes care of the West champ. And and finally, Ohio State. Um, now they're playing, you know, the number. 17, the number 16, they're going to play if, you know, whether it's Iowa or Wisconsin, they'll probably be in the top 12 or 13 by the time that game takes place. So they'll be in a better position than Oregon, who's playing Utah and then probably Utah in a couple of weeks. So I wanted to go back to you. You mentioned Wisconsin and how well they've been playing lately. And I wanted to get to that for a second because I'm just thinking about obviously that they they had an inept offense in the beginning of the season and they really struggled to gain any yardage. The defense was, was good all along. I I, I think, you know, looking back, we can realize that, but isn't it kind of funny that, you know, we're here we are mid November and this is a Wisconsin team that has great defense and can run the ball has a great Mm -hmm. running back. Like, I mean, it's, it's almost like, people again it's this the expectations right now are out of whack like we've 12 open fbs jobs right because or 12 jobs have opened because everyone thinks they should win like 11 games every single year or whatever but the fact that people weren't willing to let wisconsin just get better as the season went on and everyone had to write them off and um you know graham mertz you know couldn't do x y and z and again he's limited but he's able to do what they need to do to win. And when you have a great defense, you don't have to score that many points. So you can win these games the way that they have over the last month comfortably by pretty much just running the ball and in a couple of, you know, a couple of passing plays. But I just think it's really interesting because they're, they're one of the teams that, you know, I personally like when teams do this, where, you know, people kind of forget about them a little bit and they just get a little bit better, a little bit better, a little bit better. And then you get to the end of the season and you're like, this is a pretty solid team. And, and, and they didn't give up on their season. They just chugged along and, and got better. And they could certainly end up in the big 10 championship game, which would obviously speak volumes about that. But I just think it's funny because of course, they're not going to have the same team that they had week one mm-hmm. and they're going to figure out things to get better. But so many people just have no patience these days for teams to develop and get better or teams that are outside of like the playoff spotlight to even talk about them that way. Absolutely. That's what's, that's, what's beautiful about the sport is sometimes it's, I always think of us, we're almost like cats chasing a laser pointer. Okay. There it is. Oh, there's the story. There's the story. And we're <laughs> yeah. all looking around and, and all of a sudden we forget about what was over here five minutes ago. And when you look at Wisconsin and the first game of the year, they had four turnovers and that's why they lost to Penn state 14 to 10. They were inside what the 10 yard line twice with interceptions, uh, the Notre Dame game, they were winning in the fourth quarter. And then Graham Mertz just went <laughs> all Rick and Keel, you know, the former pitcher of the Cardinals, you know, through a bunch of interceptions, they lost 
decisively and, and Michigan really crushed them. So it was easy to put them out of sight, out of mind. But then I saw them up front, uh, up close. And, and that's always the Big Ten West's Rock'em Sock'em Robots, which is Iowa, Wisconsin. It's a really physical game. And Iowa had some horrendous mistakes, kind of along the same lines that Wisconsin did against uh, Notre Dame. And, um, and Wisconsin made them pay for it. But I think it's one thing, they're not a national championship contender. We all know that. But their defense is legitimate enough to hold everybody down, and they run the football well. So as long as they don't make any mistakes and do stupid things through the passing game, they're going to be – in most games, and that includes against Ohio State. And when the quarterback in the passing game tries to do too much, that's when they get in trouble. And uh, that, which is really, it's really unfortunate for them because if you look at it, that's why they got Graham Mertz to begin with because he wasn't a game manager. He was a four-star. They thought he was the guy to take them to the next level to win these big games. And instead, it's been kind of the reverse of we got to make sure he doesn't make any mistakes or we're really going to, to have some problems. So, yeah, I think that's, that's the confusing part is this is the highly touted guy. This is the guy who's supposed to do all these different things offensively, but you know what? They figured out what they need to do to win this year and they could very well be an Indy. And that's, that's remarkable. And, you know, again, just not giving up on the season. How many times have we seen teams get off to rough starts and just spiral, right? Like they, they did not do that. They are still like, they still have the identity of a Wisconsin football team. And I, again, I just don't, I don't think people pay attention enough to teams like that anymore because you're right. We are just chasing a laser pointer. <laughs> like, <laughs> I got a cat. The, the cat pawing at the, the laser, the laser pointer all the time. Yeah. Mine does that every morning. So it's crazy. <laughs> but, uh, well, as always, we, we thank you uh, for joining on this week, uh, Nicole, and we thank all of you for listening, our legends and listeners, please rate and review and subscribe later on. And if don't be afraid to give us five stars, uh, just like Ari Wasserman's favorite uh, draft future draft picks, but recruits. So uh, for Nicole Auerbach, this is Scott Docterman, and thanks uh, again for listening. 